clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Terry Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And I'm Greg Walzak. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Get out of the intro, okay? <laughs> you can be in the intro, Jeremiah. Hang on a second, Doc. Hang on a second here. The Doc is already trying to position you to take over my role. I'm getting a little insecure. I have. I do not keep this a secret in any capacity. <laughs> I mean, haven't I been on enough episodes where I should at least get my own line? Welcome back to the University of Pleasure, folks. As you heard in the intro... Greg is with us, our correspondent who is corresponding from home during this global pandemic and is gunning for my position with complete support from my producing partner, the doc. <laughs> um, it's a little support bit awkward now to start. Encouragement. Active <laughs> encouragement. <laughs> it's like I have one job to be the host. And she's like, you know, we should do more episodes with Greg. I'm like, hang on a minute here. Slow down. We should we should turn Greg's volume up a little bit, and then just Jeremiah, if you could just if you could just turn it down a little. Hey Jeremiah, could you just like turn it down a little more? <laughs> Thanks for the support, Doc. I always knew you believed in me and my work. Anyway, JK, I value you. Uh huh. She didn't even remember my birthday last week, people. That's how uh, much she values me. I'm, I'm not- over it though. I don't care anymore. It's totally fine because she ended up getting me a guilt gift. So the point is. Which is the best way to make up for something. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Greg, I'm just kidding. welcome Let's back go. to the University of Pleasure, my friend. Good to see you again. Uh, oh, am I allowed to speak now? Yes, you can speak now. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on any of your, you know, lines or anything like yes, that. Yes, well, I'm an egomaniac, and I need to know that I'm valued and loved above all. You are valued and loved. Don't worry. And above all. I think the doc was just playing a joke on you since your birthday is on April Fool's Day. <sighs> yeah, yes! That, I got your back, doc. Uh, I got your back. That is what was happening with that. Yes. <laughs> well yes. played, doc. So Thank you, Greg, for Well that. done on the assist there, Greg. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is great to see you again. It is great to see the doc. We hope that all of our millions of fans out there are doing well. There really does seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel. It is not a political thing, but please go get vaccinated so then we can all do some stuff together in person, which is one of our goals here at the University of Pleasure is to get out there and do some live shows with some actual fans. And that is something we're really excited about. And you would get to meet the soon-to-be host, Greg in person as well at some point in time. So I'm sure you're all very excited about that too. Anyway, we have one of our favorite segments back for you today. Doc, why don't you give a little intro? I'll do a drum roll, a drum roll, Doc. 
Okay, so when I did the drum roll and then said doc, that was your cue to say the segment uh, and the overall title of the episode. So did you want to do that or do you want me to do it? You can do it because I clearly am struggling. You okay. go for it. Here we are, folks. Hot or not, volume two. Reviewing America's most classic, not so classic, and controversial erotica. AKA, Greg reviews straight porn. Yeah. No, it's Greg reviews straight erotica. Porn sounds cooler. Sorry, I'm rewriting the but title. But erotica is more broad reaching. All right, fine. Greg reviews straight erotica. Welcome back, Greg. Welcome back. Which I know I probably said eight times, but I'm excited because this book is ridiculous. <laughs> did I can't you, wait to did hear. You read, one second. Did you read the book, Jeremiah? No, but based on what you told me about it, it sounds <laughs> okay. ridiculous. Come on. We, our fans know clearly I did not read this. Well, do you, do you want to do you at least know what the book is that we're reviewing today? Yeah, you talked to me about it. What is it? Title and author. I don't remember now. It's not in front of me. Why are you trying to make me? This is my point, folks, listening. He's trying to position Greg to take my job. This is what this is right now. This is a conspiracy. Yeah. Greg's helping you out, man. He's literally holding up. He... I don't have two cameras, okay? <laughs> well, is... I'm sorry. I'm trying to help you here. Thank you, We're reviewing Wifey. That's right. I knew it. I didn't need you to tell me. I knew it Judy already. Judy Bloom, the author Judy of, Bloom. The author of many adolescent, you know, pure sort of adolescent childhood favorites, like Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, and like Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. I'm pretty sure that was Judy Bloom, right? Yes. And then she wrote, and a lot of people don't know. What's the copyright on it, Greg? When did she write? Oh, geez, let me see here. I didn't even look at 70. that. 78. 70, yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be in the 70s. Greg and I both brought our copies of Wifey today. I just want to make oh, clear well, that um, we both brought our copies of Wifey. Funny so, enough, I brought mine as well, the uh, digital right. version that you can't see right now. I mean, I would show it to you, but then I'd have to flip my iPad around. So yeah, it'd be right, hard right, to see right. through yeah, the yeah. camera. Anyway, it's not about me. It's about Greg's review. So right. well, if everybody well, would like... Say, what? What now? Can I say why we picked it? Like, why did I select Okay, can I get to that, please? I'm sure. trying to do the only job I have, which is to be the host, to keep so things angry. going. I would like to remind all of our listeners, millions of fans out there, who Greg is. Greg is our correspondent who goes nowhere because of a global pandemic. Greg also did Greg Review Straight Erotica for Us, Volume 1, which was extremely exciting. And it was, what was the book, Greg? Fifty Shades of Blah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he was very unimpressed, and it was one of the funniest reviews I have ever heard when it comes to a book review. And so we are excited to have you back. Thank you for taking the time to read Judy Bloom's Wifey, copyright 1978. See, I remembered all of that on my own. And I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. And before you go into your review, Doc... Why don't you tell our listeners why you chose this book? There's so much tension today. There's no tension. I'm fine. I just trying to do my job here. It's all good. 
Um, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When I picked 50 shades of gray, I picked it cause I was like, Oh, that's going to be like a really great topic around like maybe misconceptions around BDSM. And it was such a popular book. Like a lot of people don't know about wifey. Right. I think I picked this book just because it's kind of a, a random erotic novel. And also because last week our episode was about infidelity and this book yeah, has a lot of infidelity <laughs> as a part of like the themes of the erotica in it and so i thought it would uh you know be a nice little through line all right Makes sense. all right so shall we jump in to wifey so greg give us a little synopsis of wifey and for those of you who have not read this novel like myself spoilers 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 and we understand that this book was written in 1978, so many years before I was born. So clearly it wasn't on my radar. Anyway, take it away, Greg. Sure thing, Jeremiah. Um, actually, <laughs> Wifey is a book that, again, as we stated, Judy Bloom, who was a young adult author, um, uh, now delves into the life of a central Jersey Jewish woman who struggles with identifying basically who she is and what she wants sexually that is triggered by the fact of something that she sees outside of her window one random morning. Okay. Do you want to say... Hang on a second. I'm sorry. So this is like Rear Window with James Stewart meets like erotica... I, you, you see what I'm saying here? Like, so like, you remember that movie Rear Window? Yeah. Yeah. So like he saw like really bad, horrible things happening. So she saw something out her back window and was like, I need to cheat on my husband is basically what you're saying the story's about. Not, no, that's too much of a nutshell. This is just <laughs> a singular event that triggers. I, again, I don't want to go into... Like, I'm not going to give you, like, a 15-minute synopsis about what happens because... Do you want to say what this the event is, though, Greg, just because it is? Well, yeah, actually, I'll do better than that. Page one of the book. Um, he was in front of the crabapple tree, hands on his hips, as if he was waiting for her, dressed in a white bedsheet and a stars and stripes helmet, standing next to a motorcycle. What was this? A kid playing Halloween? A neighborhood ghost? No. Look, he he threw off the bedsheet and stood before her naked, his penis long and stiff. Sandy dropped to her knees, barely peeking out the window, afraid but fascinated, not just by the act itself, but by the style. So fast, so hard, didn't it hurt? handling it that way she'd always been so careful with norman's which is her husband scared that she might damage it who was he what was he doing in her yard yada 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 so that is page one i am intrigued right i this like wow i mean boom grabbed me right away i was like judy holy cow oh it was like that judy that, goes for it and wifey i mean yeah, like straight out the gate, I was like, okay. And so this guy shows up in her backyard and decides, hey, I'm just going to jerk off when you come to the window. 
Side note, okay. that is a crime. Yes, so, that is a crime. It is not something that, that we advocate for, for here at the University of Pleasure. Which Although I that, must say, he does this crime with quite a bit of pizzazz. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, and I, I mean, it's hot fantasy. Just know if you put it in real life, it might be illegal. <laughs> there you go. Exactly, exactly. Which then, as the you know, as the beginning of the book kind of uh, goes in further, then she does contact the police, and they do this whole report, and there's an investigation, and it you know they keep coming back to it to try and see if they can catch this you know motorcycle assailant that likes to get naked motorcycle in dick bandit kind of. yeah yes yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yes i Sorry. like that yeah yeah but that in itself opens up an entire can of worms mentally for sandy who is the lead character as then she does an analysis of what is going on in her life the lives of her family the lives of her friends um, all set in late, you know, 70s, central Jersey, um, like country club lifestyle kind of Jewish um, uh, centric kind of community. Well, clearly she's given weak hand jobs because, I mean, if she was worried about like breaking it and stuff like that, that's a snooze fest. Wouldn't you agree with that, Doc? N no. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, you know, he's like. You know, jerking well, off all so, aggressive and everything like that. And she's like, ooh, I didn't know you could do well, that. It might break it. So like this character, Greg, Greg, you've read this more recently than I have, right? Like I read this years ago, but I've like, I kind of like, uh, like skimmed it again, right? For yeah, she's like me. Uh, yeah, okay. nice. sure. The back flap. I read the back flap. Right. But, you know, this book is sort of representing somebody that doesn't have probably a lot of sex education. Also, we're thinking generationally speaking, right? Like she doesn't, this character doesn't have a lot of sex education. She doesn't really, um, and never is, and I mean, this is true of a lot of women generationally in that way, mm -hmm. right? And kind of still in certain ways, wasn't given much permission to explore her own sexuality or sensuality. So, you know, thinking that she might like, you know, not being totally comfortable or feeling competent around a penis, like... That wouldn't be atypical for someone that has, you know, not had a lot of experience with sex or not had a lot of sex education. Because, you know, especially when we think about the time period that this was written in. Exactly. You don't the internet to like be like, good hand jobs. What's happening with my partner's penis? Right. Okay, like, you so don't have what you're saying, what you're saying is basically I was being a little too judgmental on maybe her hand job techniques. So I apologize for that. <laughs> I was not trying to be disrespectful to this character who is not real so continue on with the uh review please greg right well funny that you say that this character is not real because a lot of people when the book came out actually thought it was semi-autobiographical whoa this um, is judy from, bloom giving hand jobs well <laughs> a lot of people made that assumption when this book came out oh. but she does state that it does not you know like this is not her own story um, this is just a fictitious character, I but think people wanted it to be Judy Blue. Well, exactly. I mean, when you hear about like a young adult author that all of a sudden decides to come out with this, like, well, you're home a lot alone writing these children's books, so who knows what could be going on in your backyard? Mm -hmm. That you know, it's like maybe she did wake up to some guy, you know, like jerking off in a bed sheet and a motorcycle helmet. Like, I guess it was possible in that you know period of time, but. I remember too, um, also, and I, I don't remember. 
I'm so sorry, Greg. Can I pause you? Not the safest way to ride a motorcycle. Can we just say? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This guy did well, all of this with a he lot had of the bed pizzazz. Sheet. Yeah, he covered everything. He didn't take the bed sheet off until yeah. he was off the motorcycle. I but just like, did, I, I envision him taking this. I'm sorry, Doc. Just, I just envision him taking off that uh, sheet like the Jim Carrey movie where he ends up being God. He just like puts his arms back and like it just flies off Bruce of him Almighty. and he's got a boner and he's just like, yeah, like just like. So that's what I'm envisioning in my mind. <laughs> and that's the beauty of the book is that different people interpret it different ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, a, that's the thing I hear know, about books. Like, and that, which actually kind of brings me to like the first point that I was going to make about the book is like via the first book that I reviewed, Michelle named nameless because I hated it so much. <laughs> this book was actually, it's kind of like Hitchcock versus saw hey see that so see what, see so what we this, just happened there we just had a connection because i said rear window and that was hitchcock and i got that from two paragraphs that's amazing yes but not in the sense of like what the original movie rear window like she's not stuck in her house oh, um she right. can move freely about but um <laughs> but I, I was actually pretty surprised that rear window was the one that came to your mind but this book is kind of written in a sense where you think about Alfred Hitchcock, which was the horror movie of its day, which kind of let the viewer kind of take over, gotcha. you know, and mm -hmm. where Fifty Shades of Grey was a little bit more like the movie Saw, where you wanted to see exactly how people were going to die, which I can't speak <laughs> to because I've never watched a horror movie like that. I'm only imagining it. But um, yes. So, so I hated the movie Saw. I hated the book. I don't, you know, I love Alfred Hitchcock. So I actually rather enjoyed this book on a whole. Oh, really? Wow. I did. I did. Um, just because it was, there's so many other levels and layers to this book other than physical eroticism. Um, and again, I, and what I was going to uh, bring up before is I forgot what you call it, Doc, where where it's like because of the period it's written in, there's, you know, different, you know, it's like how values change and stuff like that. I know you talked about it in a different episode where, you know, like from, you know, way back in, you know, Greek times is different how we thought about certain things than so when it was like colonial times. Yeah, like, like what now. what is like maybe normative or like expected That's, the sexual behavior is like culturally and historically relative. Thank you. That was what I couldn't think of. And this. Yeah, hang on a second. Know, I'm sorry to interrupt to you again. Right? Why, why, why couldn't you just ask? Why couldn't you ask me that question? You don't think I could have come up with the relative normity <laughs> of uh, the time periods of uh, sexuality? It's not. It's like something that's above me. You asked the doc. You just couldn't ask us both. I am a part of this podcast. OK, I am here. Continue. Well, Jeremiah, since you had already ruined my Hitchcock reference, I decided, you know, that was your punishment was that I would ask the doc. Oh. That was totally organic. How dare you? I know. I, know. I love having And, and it truly is. It truly was. So, but that in itself, like, so throughout the book, there are different scenes that you think of as, you know, like as what we would think of as erotic now where there are actual physical actions and descriptions that are actually, you know, quite graphic um, and would be extremely graphic, I would assume, back in the oh, 70s yeah. for 
for people that weren't used to it. Like there's a there's a scene in the book where Sandy meets up with um, a friend of hers husband because they have they have their agreement that after years of marriage, Thursday nights are their date nights. And we do date nights for couples thinking, hey, the date's going to be with each other. No, this couple does date nights where they're allowed to go out with other people and you don't bring it back to the house. You don't talk about it. Get it out of your system. And we still love one another. Okay. I think that that's some kind of like 1970s emergence of maybe swinging. And key parties and stuff like that. But but an earlier iteration, I think. Yeah. I would agree with that, Doc. And so, and so with that, you know, she goes out with um, her, you know, her friend's husband on one of these Thursday night dates. And what just starts off as an innocent dinner ends up him taking her to the movies, which ends up being an X-rated movie. Sweet. And, and she's like, oh gosh, you know, she's like, I've never seen a porno. And he's like, oh no, no, no. This is an X-rated movie, not a porno. And she's like, kind of stops and he's like, X-rated movies are artistic. And this is true. I must say, describe... I agree with this guy wholeheartedly on this fact, because there's just straight porn. And then if you watch some of the ones from the 70s, and there's like a story behind it, there's like, you know, I mean, are the stories Oscar winning? I mean, Deep Throat was about finding an orgasm in her throat, right? So, I mean, obviously not award winning, but little bit more artistic endeavor went into the actual making of those classic films. Are you saying that that is more artistic than Bang Bros? Uh, slightly, Ooh. slightly. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't, isn't that like a, isn't that like yeah, a Bang channel? Bros. It's a literature, it's a little bit, right? so I've been told, so I've been told. That's a, that's a thing. I mean, yeah, that, that, because you do a lot of research well, for the I show, do. I, and I, so <laughs> we do understand that you may come across something like that. That's correct. <laughs> In my research, yeah, for the show, yes, correct. Um, and and yes, yeah, so so that's just kind of like one of the things that you know, like, kind of just pops up out of nowhere, um, and you're kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, and but then as you read the book, and after he says, no, this is much more artistic. She starts to describe the movie and she's like, well, she's like, I was trying to understand what the plot was, but, you know, 30 seconds into the movie, she's already having sex with the first of three partners that she ends up having sex with in the very first scene. Well, and it like, sounds like a good movie. You're like, hmm, artistic, like porn. Like, yeah, like it's it's a very thin line or perhaps that was like, the male perspective of like, this is, no, this is X-rated. This is yeah, it's like the male perspective of just about that... anything. It's like, you know, I read Playboy for the articles. You know? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's very so, intelligent reading. That's what... why I get the magazine. Uh, I'm just sort of a, not to interrupt your flow here, Greg, but I'm curious, like, what did you think about the, the character development, like in terms of? Continue. I didn't stop you. I didn't point. I held up. I meant for oh, okay. you to continue what, talking for a second. What did you think about the character development? Like as she kind of, because it feels like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, it's like there's sort of these like stacking of experiences that sort of start to pique her sexual interest, right? Like some of these stackings. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm wondering how you feel about like how, 
how her character and I guess some of the other characters sort of develop across the book. And now I'm going to point at you all, officially, because I think this is a good place to take a break. So when we come back, Craig is going to continue his review of Judy Bloom's Wifey, copyright 1978, I believe, not 79, and uh, really excited to hear what more he has to say when we come back. And we're back. And Greg is going to continue his review of Judy Bloom's Wifey. Do it, Greg. So before the break, Doc had asked about like what some of the relationships were like. And it's actually kind of funny because as I was reading the book, um, it's a very easy read, but I don't sit and read for long periods of time. So Me I'll neither. read a chunk, then, you know, put it down, bring it back up again. But I kind of felt like if anyone is familiar with the books of the Game of Thrones, in every book, they they put a map and all the different houses and who the people are that belong to each of the houses. And I felt like I kind of did this with all of central New Jersey's Jewish community in the late 1970s. <laughs> um, because there's Sandy and Norman, who are the married couple central to all of this. But then Sandy's sister and her husband are part of this. Then Sandy's mother is also a character. Norman's mother is also a character. So like they get the whole family involved. There's kids involved as well. Um, and then there's all of the friends from the country club. So, um, and the one common theme it seems to be, which I feel is part of the 70s vibe was or maybe a tail end of the 60s vibe of free love is that we're still kind of living that dream here in central New Jersey, um, is that everyone has their own opinion on like how they handle infidelity, but everyone is sleeping with everyone. And okay. so it kind of gives the the perspective of like someone that would never ever think about doing that to the people that are like, what? It saved our marriage. You know, we do our Thursday night dates. That's how we stay together and how we love each other. So you're kind of introduced to an entire spectrum of like what comfortability levels are of infidelity throughout this book. Okay. So right. the, well, what, what aspects of the book did you struggle with? Were there any? I mean, I know you enjoyed it, but did you struggle with any aspects of the book? Um. I struggled with some of the aspects of the book, the way it's written, um, because there's a lot of, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot. There are references that are very racist um, in the book uh, that are part of mm -hmm. the time um, period where the community that Sandy and Norman live in, one of the things is, is that they're thinking about moving and selling the house because so they live in a community where a lot of people are transitioning and selling their properties. And in the interim, what the people that are staying there are finding is that a lot of African-Americans are now moving in ah. to this said community. Now, when the book was written, African-Americans wasn't the term used. They used some other colorful terms, let's say, in the book that that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, and... And the I'm, other aspects, 
Oh, well, I'm sorry, I, and when I think that it is the language of it is like really, I mean, we're obviously having our own struggles culturally around racism, but it's really reflective of the racism of the time as well, just mm-hmm. to say that in terms of the i mean it's just like i know jeremiah that you've done a lot of like musicals and whatnot sure. you know or yeah. you might pull a musical from a particular decade and all of a sudden you're going through the script and you're like oh yeah oh like, yeah oh yeah many many you times know, yep. that language is really kind of wrapped up in in a lot of belief systems around the time and you know sort of exactly some carelessness but yeah i mean it, that's a definite struggle of this book and and that's why I was asking um, Jeremiah about what that term was again um, when, you know, different time periods are, you know, what we think about, like, historical what historical is... relativity. <laughs> yeah, well, no, wait, what was it called again, Jeremiah? It's it's called historical relativity, uh, Greg. I don't want to have to kind of, I don't want to have to keep going into my knowledge here. I mean, then it would downplay the doc's role in this podcast, so. Oh, okay. See? I'm a giver. That's why I didn't ask what I'm you the saying. first time. You are a giver. <laughs> but back to dick. But back to the book. The other thing that kind of, you know, which again, time period wise, and and I think though too, it's more of like a specific cultural kind of thing, was basically the whole um vibe centers around the Jewish community where it was the goal of every woman just to find a secure man to be with someone that would take care of her her job was to literally rear the children take care of the home and so it was that very you know antiquated family like unit where the guy is the person that works and makes all the money and gives the shopping allowance. And then, you know, they go to the club and when they're at the club, it's the wife's duty to make sure that she stands by her man. And there's no tension there that's ever seen. Like everyone lives the perfect life face to face with other couples. But then what you see behind closed doors is some of the chaos that ensues when it comes to the sexuality of these people. And you're like, huh. That's kind of weird. Like, yeah, like we just don't talk about it. And that is a giant theme for the central character, Sandy, is she tries the entire book to talk about it with different people, mostly and most importantly, her husband, who in his mind, he was like, what? Like he literally says at one point in time, this is your problem. And she's like, no, this is our problem. And I know you've talked about this on Mm -hmm. previous uh, episodes where that stigma is kind of like, no, I'm fine with this. Like, I I have nothing, you know, nothing wrong here. So you want to go talk to someone? He's like, I'll pay for it. I'll do whatever it takes to fix you is what he is basically what he says. And, And I'm like, oh, my. Ah, it, like, interestingly, I have had clients show up in my office who that is who why still do that. Yep. So, so yeah. Wowzers. So maybe that you know is is more of a timeless kind of you know kind of theme. But that like I mean that I, kind of, that stuff kind of made me feel a little ooh inside. Yeah. Well, I think that there's. I mean, clearly, like you know, I think you're talking about not to get too deep in the weeds here because we could talk about it forever. But like you're 
you know, I think that this book is reflective of like, you know, some intersectionalities of different types of oppression, racial stereotyping, <laughs> which we all are still presently struggling with today. Yeah. Yes. Some things change and things. some things stay the same. And uh, tell yeah. you what, it's a, so, it's crazy to think that a book like that would still be, you know, things we'd be fighting against, you know, 40 years later. Relevant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's still very relevant, but I am I am interested from in just you know like in terms of like kind of how they were, how did you feel about how they kind of presented some of the resolute? Because one of our big themes of the last podcast, right, was about like different things to think about and to try and do, like when it, like maybe infidelity happens, right? And I think to your point, like a lot of people do a lot of different things, and there's a lot of variability. But like for me, in reading this book, you know. I would struggle to like really be on board with many of the <laughs> ways that some of the infidelity stuff was handled. What were your thoughts on it in terms of how some of the major characters of this book handled things? Well, well, the the peak for that for me was when Sandy, the main character, ends up sleeping with her sister's husband. And, uh, and oh kind dear. of like it's a one-time deal, like, oops, like, yeah, you know, he was feeling, you know, lonely and vulnerable, and, and she, of course, we know throughout the entire book is just feeling like she can't get out of her own skin, like she can't express herself, and and through, you know, like, one one moment of vulnerability, they end up hooking up, never to speak about it again, with uh, except, like, when he, like, writes a note to her that he leaves on his desk in his house that fortunately Sandy, when she's over visiting her sister happens to find before her sister does. Phew. And like, basically is like, okay. So really the whole way uh, that they handle the infidelity is sweep it under the rug and just be thankful for what you have. Yeah. And, 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 and so. And that works really like, well, right doc? It right? does not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was like, holy crap. Like, okay, I was like, I guess maybe that's, you know, that's one way to handle it. But, you know, like, so so some of the scenes actually are super hot when you think about it, because, you know, like, there are, Sandy ends up finding her high school beau, basically. They end up crossing paths again. He's married, has kids, you know, she's married, has her kids. But there was always, there's that underlying tension every time they meet one another, which again, culminates in sexual activity between the two of them. And, you know, it allows her to kind of explore and try to think about like, how do I get my husband on board? Like, like I'm not allowed to do any of this stuff. Like his thing is very, like in the book, they sleep in separate beds. And whenever he's in the mood, he just crawls into her bed and basically says, okay, I'm ready for some. Like, you want to give me some? And whether or not she's ready, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. You know? Um, and then when he's done, he goes to the bathroom, washes off, goes to bed, put, you know, in his own bed, pulls the covers over, and just falls fast asleep, not knowing whether or not how she feels, what she thinks. Um, I mean, fortunately, she's managed with the way that she has sexual encounters with her husband to make sure that she can also come. Um, and so Good it's not that her. she hates the act with her husband, but it's just not 
you know, it's very mechanical where well, she doesn't get to explore anything else that anything different. She like mentions to him, like, you know, like I- I've never been, you know, like on top. What? And, and her, and her husband, her husband's just kind of like, why would you be? And then that's it. That's the whole conversation. This, this sounds like a like, nightmare. Oh, okay. This sounds well, like a horror I mean, novel. Her, Doc, what kind of novel is this? This doesn't even. This doesn't sound like an erotica well, novel. This, has, this sounds like a novel that, straight out of some terrible, like Lifetime movie about the, you know, oppressed. I don't even understand what's happening here. I thought we were reading this was like a fun-loving, like oh, you know, and it's a sexy thing and swingers and stuff. This and is like, the, not. This is why we're doing a review because Greg is giving us a great critical analysis of a book that has maybe some interesting character development but problems right it's uh stuck in a it's also like you know there are problems with oppression racism cultural bias this book is making me sad doc it's making me feel bad for this fictitious character or judy bloom and incidentally judy bloom if you're still alive because i did no research more than welcome to come on the university of pleasure and we can talk about your book uh in person i'm happy to talk about that But not every book, you know, can just be like, that's the thing. Like, okay, one of the things that we talk about all the time on this podcast, Jeremiah, is that life is complex and it's messy, right? And so, you know, if someone's going to write an erotic book, like one of the, it's always fun, you know, to see that simple pornography or that simple erotica where things go simply, right? But sometimes that's also not reflective of life. Now, this is this is pretty excessive. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I mean, well, it just was like again, you know, be on top. Like, why would you want to do that? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, but, fictitious character. But, but you're saying things, Jeremiah. Actually, though, that are. I mean, your your point is like uh, uh, fair, but you're also talking about stuff that people actively talk about in my office now. Well, I feel for right? all of those people that are going through anything like this because this is this is that's a sad story. It's a sad story. I didn't know it was a sad story. It's like. Old Yeller, the end of Dog I mean, Dies or something. Like I feel really well, shitty. It, yes, it, it kind of it kind of is a a sadder version of uh, you know, like again, it's no fifty shades of gray where you just think everything is super hot. Although I thought that was a sad story, um, for different reasons. <laughs> um, but like like there was like there's a whole passage in here where she's actually having a conversation with her husband and she was like, Norman, sometimes I get the feeling that you don't know me at all. And he's like, and he responds back. Well, and sometimes I get the same feeling about you. And then she goes to him, but I want to know you. I want to know your needs. And here it is. This is him in a nutshell. My needs are very simple. I come home from work tired. All I ask is time for a drink before dinner, a chance to read the paper in peace and quiet, some good food, and a pleasant, relaxing evening. Now, that sounds reasonable to me. I mean, does that make me a chauvinist? I don't know. Well, well, she responds. So those are your needs. I was kidding, by the way. Your, that um... was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was just... <laughs> I didn't know you were joking. <laughs> Again, I felt... I just I felt wanted to be clear because the, the, the doc every just week. froze I and I couldn't really tell... I sure if that was a joke yet or not. <laughs> I couldn't tell him. The doc was like, has <laughs> everything froze when I said that? And I was like... Oh, shit. <laughs> I was totally kidding. <laughs> Did not think that that was acceptable. And literally, this book is making me want to, like, l- literally finish this up and go downstairs, leave my studio and, like, hug my wife and be like, is there anything you need? 
<laughs> right. And that's, but I mean, that's also a lot of this book, which is more of the Hitchcockian way yeah. I was looking at it because then she asks you like, no, she's like, those are your emotional needs. And I don't think he could identify the difference between a physical and an emotional need. You know, like that's his character flaw. It's also his greatest strength because what you end up finding out is at the end of the book, um, again, spoiler alert, um, she catches gonorrhea from one of the people that she sleeps with and then has to tell her husband who is like, what? And you come to find out he had the opportunity to cheat on her with someone that he had fallen in love with before he met her, but then never does. Like actively he sees her, has the opportunity, but he stays strong to like the marriage. He's like, no, he's like, I love you. This is what like, you know, I had the opportunity, but why would I take that? I'm with you. This is what I want. This is what I need, which then makes her feel completely bad. I think about like, trying to explore some of those other things because again he really was like no you're everything i need i don't have a problem with that if you need something more that's your problem but you're also the one who cheated on me and caught um a sexually uh transmitted infection no and now i am <laughs> now what am i supposed to do with that oh and that's he brutal ends up staying with her and finally it only took a little case of gonorrhea to actually get them to open up and at the end start a new building their relationship. Hey, and Doc, then it hey, just hey, kind of leaves, and that, leaves you there. And you know what, Greg? That's a brilliant place to segue here because we were talking about this last week, Doc. And what did you always say in that episode? You were saying that a lot of times when people do that work and they really start to communicate after infidelity that they become back even stronger a lot of the time. They- that they can, depending on how they handle it. I mean, I'm not going to see how lie. I just tried to put a positive spin In on that, and then you were like, well, they book, can. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, no, they, I mean, they can, right? Like, it depends on people that put in the work. My point was going to be, I don't know that Norm and... Uh, Sandy. Sandy, I want to call her Stacy. And Sandy <laughs> put in the work. It's Oh, gosh, no. It's sort of like, the ending is sort of like, okay, well... I guess this is you found out and you got mad and I, and we talked for like half an hour. So I guess let's go have our anniversary dinner and like back to back to town, I guess. I mean, it's, I think I think Hitchcockian is good, like a good reference. Like, I feel like this story is dark. <laughs> oh, it, it's dark from all angles. Like there is not just one happy character in the entire thing, because even when she um uh, hooks back up with her like high school sweetheart she gets it in her mind that's it i'm done with norman because i'm now with my true love i'm gonna divorce norman and i'm gonna get together with chef and he's gonna divorce his wife because why would he be with me um unless you know we were truly in love and then i'll come to find out that she creates this entire scenario in her head never once checking with chef as to what his feelings were until he's like, well, I can't leave my wife and kids. I mean, I still love her, but I love you too. And she, like, Sandy's like, wait, what? Like, I feel like such a fool, blah, 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 all this stuff, because she can't imagine that someone could love two people 
equally. Like that never even crossed her mind. And it never crossed her mind that like, hey, well, if you're going to be with me multiple times like this, that must mean that you're unhappy the same way I am. So she's like, mm. you know, projecting her own scenario on someone else when that literally had nothing to do with it. Um, and so, so again, that's just another, you know, as Jeremiah likes to say, another like layer of the onion that we get to, you know, we get to experience from a different perspective where you're like, oh, but so, you know. But that's like a really very real thing that people like, especially in like, uh, you know, relationships struggle with is just, you know, I think we all struggle with it in terms of like this idea of like, you know, projecting like, well, I feel like we can only kind of operate from the center of like ourselves, right, you know, and mm -hmm. understand things from the center of ourselves. And so a lot of times, if we don't get in other information, or more importantly here, seek other information, right, it's very yeah. easy to start to create a narrative for someone else. And usually what you use to create that narrative is your own, right? I feel A, so person mm -hmm. B must also feel A. But in reality, if you didn't check, you know, there's like, you know, we talk about it all the time on the podcast, like there's a million different reasons that someone might engage in a particular sexual behavior, right? Like we don't right. all have the same motivations for the same behaviors. Right. In fact, right, there's right, an right. infinite number of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But, and so, you know, like like when you see kind of how they introduce infidelity at different levels, it's kind of like, oh, like I, I think anyone that reads it could be like, oh, I would feel comfortable like with that route of infidelity or I would feel comfortable with like none of these. Like they would be more like her husband where it's like I'm just a staunch like, OK, no, like I never would ever be in you know, uh, go through any kind of infidelity because that's not who I am. I'm so right. solid emotionally that I don't need that. Well, and I think that part of it too is that like some of the stuff that you're describing and I mean that I kind of recall from the book is that some stuff is like, I would say infidelity because like there's monogamy, right? And there's a commit, like there's a at least voice commitment to monogamy. And some of the other stuff in this book is is it infidelity? Is it not? Or is it just more a expression of an open relationship that's more of a don't ask, don't tell model, which is more about like fidelity, like, you know, are are you actually yeah. not or not? Right. So. Right. But. That they're just kind of pulling the wool over their own eyes. They're like, if we don't label it, if we don't discuss it, then it doesn't, you then know, it's not a real thing. It doesn't it. exist. If we don't talk about it. It, it is. Like, you know, we've talked about open relationships before. For and like not ethical non-monogamy, you know, and different people have different opinions and, you know, there are always exceptions, but it's not generally the don't ask, don't tell model is not generally one that I recommend only because right. so many misunderstandings can quickly ensue. Like, I love this. Like, as you talk, Greg, you always do such a good job doing such thorough reviews. And I really, really appreciate really, that. It really was a very right. thorough review, Greg. Right. Thank you very and, much. But, but what I enjoy is watching Jeremiah because there's you know, like I've learned, I've gotten to know Jeremiah well enough now to know that from an intentional capacity, once you start talking about like maybe seven different characters at one time. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I solely watched Jeremiah just be like, how many people are in this book? Who? I'm done. <laughs> well, and, and I will tell you <laughs> right so now. true. I was literally thinking to myself, my... I'm like, who's Chet? Who are we talking about now? Like, I don't and understand. Who's the, even who's if this, there who's were the person from high school? Of this? Jeremiah would stop listening to it because I have watched movies with him where if it doesn't have a plot that's that you can follow throughout from A to B and it's all about like a character study, then 
he, he doesn't have God. the patience for it. He's like, I don't care how this person develops over the next three hours, which of oh, course encompasses a lifetime so on a movie. But like, he's like, I need to see them do something and then go and then do something else that is related to what they just did. And then to tie it up all nice in a bow at the very end and kind of bring it full circle where it's like, oh, that all made sense to me. As opposed to like, oh, here's the mental journey she went. <sighs> hey, you know, because hey, that would be Jeremiah. I, I have like, given like, many. I don't care. I have given many a college try to those types of films and plays. And it is just, you know, some people like certain things. Some people don't like other things. It is not necessarily my jam. And that is okay. The doc has told me that I can like it what I okay. like. It is okay. And that I don't have to like those things. So there. And I do feel like you are very right. And Jeremiah, I do feel like your review of Greg's review would be like too many characters. Hard to follow. <laughs> Done. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just love that you both know me so well. You know, I mean, that literally <laughs> right? be like this book had too many words, too many characters, too much conversation. Not enough sex. Exactly. And it was kind of lame. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a nice day. But you know what? I want to just close really quick here because I know Greg has to go. We all have things to do. I wanted to just say that the thing that's so amazing to me is what I kept thinking when there were too many characters that were coming in and my brain started to glaze over. And I noticed the window behind Greg, which is an apartment that Greg and I lived in together for many, many years. And it made me think of my rear window moment that I had when I first came to this apartment. And I don't even know if Greg knows what I'm going to say. But the very first time I came to check the apartment, we had two uh, the people who owned the place. They were professional clowns. He was from Sweden and she was from South Africa. And he brought me over to see the place and I walk into the apartment and he's, I was like, wow, this is really nice, you know. And the, the window that is right behind Greg's head, he goes, hang on, come on over here. So I walk over to the window and I look out the back window and there is a kiddie pool and a completely naked woman <laughs> laying starfish spread eagle facing the window in the backyard and he goes honey this is jeremiah he's here for the apartment and she goes oh hi jeremiah and i was like okay i'll take the apartment one second I'll wait take one this. second isn't this apartment also in new jersey yes this is my point. This is why this <laughs> well, is like a true, like full circle, rear window moment. No, she didn't take her towel off or her sheet and have a boner, but she was totally naked, very unshaven woman in her nether regions facing out in a starfish position, oh, waving natural. at me in a kitty pool. And we're talking about a very similar kind of situation. And I feel very connected because of it. So... Thank you for that, Greg. Thank you for wifey, Doc. Thank you for taking the time, the both well, I, of you. I want to be clear. I did not write wifey, nor do I want to take credit. For well, writing no, I mean, thank you for bringing the book to Greg. Thank you for, 
you know, all that you well, do as per always, Doc. So, well, I appreciate Greg doing such a thorough review. It really was I, a I very thorough get review. Little, can I announce what I want our next review to be? Because I want to take it a little easier on Greg this time and not make him read a whole book. I know what so, this book is because I checked in the notes, and this is not a book. absolutely not a book. It is my this this right here, Greg, is my is kind of like storyline. Go for it, Doc. Okay. All right. I wanted to make sure, really, Jeremiah felt like he could also dig into this next review with us here. Um, so I would like you to review Debbie Does Dallas, a very classic film. Oh, if I had an hour now, we could just do it right away. But I have to go see someone else. So. <laughs> I, I got to go. I mean, honestly, right behind Empire Strikes Back, that is probably my second man's favorite movie. There it is. <laughs> There it is. I cannot wait for your review on this film. And I know this film very well. So I will definitely be. You want to know it's great? I haven't seen it. So <gasps> I'm going to have to watch it for this. Oh, I've Doc. never seen Jeffrey Dust Dallas. No. Well, wait. Maybe, Doc, maybe we could do a fancy Zoom viewing or something like that. We could watch it together. <laughs> Okay, so I just want to be clear. Uh, you two are just leaving me out of this. You're just you're gonna do your own private viewing session, and I'm not even gonna. <laughs> that's what we're getting at here. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can do that on like Netflix Party or whatever. I don't know if that's still a thing that they use. That's a thing. Right. I didn't even know there was a thing. Is that what the kids are doing it, nowadays? I don't want to say that. Netflix is gonna be like, I don't think they do it anymore. It, there was like this, like I don't know if it was like separate from Netflix where you could like watch a show together with someone. I don't remember what the hell it was. I've never heard of it, well, but I believe in you, Doc, as I always do. I don't know do. what the hell I'm talking about. So That was just me trying to give a compliment and segue to the end. So, <laughs> Fair <enough. laughs> so thank you, Doc, for everything that you do. Thank you so much to our correspondent, Greg, who goes nowhere but does all of his great work from home. Hopefully soon, delighted we'll be at the end of the tunnel that I'm feeling. Please go get vaccinated. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everybody. And hopefully we'll be able to get Greg out there in the world and maybe have a chance to have you all come and watch an episode of the University of Pleasure live, which Greg, we really Greg are excited about. Greg has his hand up. Greg oh. has his hand up. Okay, Greg, go ahead. What, what, what's, I what? mean, technically I can't go anywhere, but I was actually kind of on location for this book since it takes place in my backyard, kind of, in Jersey. <laughs> so I think by loophole, like, I was in the area, so I was corresponding from the area. Thank you, Greg. That's a very right? good Right? That's so, true. So baby steps. Baby steps. You know? Baby steps. Baby steps for all. I am not flying to Dallas, though, to go watch Debbie Does Dallas, though. Oh, that'd be so great, though. <laughs> it'd be so great if we I mean, did a watch party. Fun, but I don't think that, yeah, that's in the budget. Future episodes, folks. Watch Party of Debbie Does Dallas. I can't wait to quiz the doc on my favorite parts of this film. And uh, maybe I'll run that whole interview sequence because uh, I know the movie like at the back of my hand. So, uh, or the front. Anyway, the point is thank you all to you. Please, everybody, stay safe out there. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Doc. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. 
And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.